The Holy Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. Glory, Glory to you, o Lord. Lord. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, o Christ. <clears throat> I hope to God nobody sends me any more prayers. Susan Orfanos said this in a live TV interview in 2018. Her son, Telemachus, only 27 years old, had just been killed in a mass shooting in Oakland after having survived a mass shooting in Las Vegas the year before. I don't want prayers, she said. I don't want thoughts. I want gun control. And who could blame her for speaking so honestly from her grief and her frustration? We have experienced so many mass shootings since Columbine 22 years ago this month. So much death and so little action in response that the hashtag no more thoughts and prayers now trends on Twitter with each new event. For so many people, prayer is little more than words spoken to assuage one's guilt, not to effect change. And if that's what prayer is, it makes sense as to why people don't want them anymore. Indeed, back in 2015, October 2015, following the Umqua Community College shooting, former President Obama said that thoughts and prayers do not capture the heartache and grief and anger that we should feel. And it does nothing to prevent this carnage from being inflicted someplace else in America next week or a couple months from now. It seems the gun world has reawakened just as COVID-19 seems to be ebbing in our country. And almost every day we open our eyes to fresh news of some recent mass shooting. We say thoughts and prayers because we don't know what else to say, because there's nothing left to say. Variations on this theme prove equally ineffective, sending you good energy or sending positive vibes. What does it all mean? It means that we have finally wearied of amorphous, vague, 
shapeless, formless prayers. These prayers without legs accomplish nothing. I'll come back to that in a minute. Little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and action. This comes from our second reading from 1 John, the third chapter. While the authorship of 1 John is debated in scholastic circles, traditionally this letter is ascribed to John the Apostle, author of the Gospel, and beloved friend to whom the dying Jesus entrusted his own mother Mary. If the author of 1 John is the same John as the Apostle, we know that during his discipleship, John saw and did things. Along with James and Peter, John was one of Jesus' closest confidants. John is described as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Hence, Jesus' plea for John to care for his mother after his crucifixion. Brothers John and James, both fishermen by trade, are called sons of thunder in the New Testament, but nothing is offered to explain this nickname. Perhaps it refers to their salty language, maybe their fiery tempers, or maybe their driven ambition. Nevertheless, when 1 John is written, the author wants us to know what faith looks like. The author of 1 John wants us to know what prayer with legs looks like. The author wants us to know that faith is about truth and action, not just words and speech. If we follow the tradition that the author of the gospel and the epistle are the same person, we see that as one of the first disciples of Jesus, John understands Jesus to be his shepherd. As John shows up in places he never expected to show up in and encounters people he never anticipated meeting, John witnesses things he never expected to witness. Firsthand, he sees Jesus turn water into wine at the wedding in Cana. One day, he and the disciples encounter throngs of hungry people on a hillside and are told, feed them yourselves. He is witness to Jesus restoring the sight to a blind man. He and his brother James and Peter are bystanders as Jesus raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. He is there when Jesus heals a lame man. He is there when Jesus comes upon the public execution of a woman and tells the crowd that the sinless one is welcome to cast the first stone. Over and over again, John is there to watch, to learn, to do, to heal, to feed, to bear witness. Never once does Jesus instruct John or any of the other disciples to send their thoughts and prayers to Jairus at the death of his daughter, to the family of the woman about to be stoned to death, for the next of kin to the crowd as they stand by and watch them starve on the hillside. For three years, the disciples travel about the countryside with Jesus and learn what it means to show up, to challenge religious authorities face to face, to flip tables over in anger, to defend the poor and the sick and the widowed and the friendless, to befriend those who stand on the outside, to call for a laying down of arms, to refuse to spill any blood except for Jesus' blood on the cross. There's also scholastic tradition that this John is also the author of Revelation. So by the time that John dies, he's a known 
and banished quantity in the Roman Empire. Sent to live out his last days with other political dissidents on the island of Patmos. Undeterred, he writes the book of Revelation as a collection of codes to the Christian community back home, trusting their ability to decode his references and metaphors to offer strength and courage in the days ahead as they face persecution and martyrdom. Even in his twilight years, John urges the fledgling Christian community to show up, to quit hiding behind locked doors in fear, but instead to venture out into the world, community, and neighborhood seeking opportunities to give prayer legs. So what do I mean by the phrase prayer with legs? Frederick Douglass was a 19th century abolitionist and social reformer. After having escaped slavery in Maryland, he became a national leader in the abolitionist movement in Massachusetts and New York. He became famous for his incisive and razor-sharp anti-slavery writings. When referring to prayer, he wrote, I prayed for 20 years but received no answer till I prayed with my legs. He took to the streets, marching, protesting, rallying his people. Prayer inspires and demands action. Douglas's words remind us to pray with our legs, not just for social issues like racial justice and gun violence, but also for the everyday needs and griefs of our neighbors. Prayers with legs and arms and hands and voices are needed in our own backyards as well as on an international or national stage. At the women's marches in Washington, D.C., in 2017 and 2018, it was impossible to ignore a marching band moving up and down Pennsylvania Avenue. On the backs of their t-shirts were the words, we show up. While on break, I spoke with a trumpet player and learned they were a volunteer collection of musicians from the DC area. They attempt to accompany as many marches as possible. Divided politically, they don't speak for or against any of the marches. Instead, they show up. They play music, which unites them as they accompany activists who rally and protest and march. The guy I talked to said, we use our breath and our fingers to show up while others use their feet and fists. I've never forgotten that because the fact that they showed up to play music eased the fears and anxieties of those of us marching as we were met with tunes such as when the saints go marching in, Sweet Caroline, and you can call me Al. Prayer with legs, feet, voices, fists, fingers, and breath. Their showing up deeply resonated with me on a personal level because it called to mind the times in my former parish when I was preparing to officiate at the wedding of our parish organist and his longtime partner, and the church and the town were exploding in outrage. Almost overnight, attendance in both of our congregations dropped by half. As if by clockwork, I started getting texts every Saturday night and Sunday morning. They were all the same. Pastor Sarah, we will not be in church, but you have our thoughts and prayers. For months, this meant the pews were relegated to the furious, to the vengeful, and to the bullies in our congregations. 
Each week I read the texts of those sending thoughts and prayers, but I did not want their thoughts and prayers. I wanted them to show up. There was one who faithfully attended Sunday mornings to show support, who routinely got home after midnight the night before and then drove an hour to make the 8 o'clock service who would either consistently slide into the choir balcony with a smile and a thumbs up, or else stood stubbornly in the front pew as a formidable line of defense. And that was Doug, who was just opening Big Grove and Solon at the time and didn't even like church, but showed up every single time to support me, to show support for Chad and Jason. If given the choice between an absent Christian's thoughts and prayers and an atheist who shows up, I'll choose the atheist every time. Prayer with legs, as Frederick Douglass describes, is what the author of 1 John describes. It's what we're called to. And this can look a million different ways, truthfully. For example, prayer with hands looks like a dozen people holding phones, recording a murder, that might not spare a man's life, but will help convict the perpetrator on all three counts. Have your hands and your phones at the ready. Prayer with voice sounds like, I don't think it's okay to speak to a person like that. Have your voices at the ready. Prayer with arms <clears throat> looks like a very, very pregnant woman in front of the Emma Goldman Clinic about two weeks ago, standing alongside dozens of angry protesters, holding a sign high for hours that read, I support your right to choose. Have your arms and your signs at the ready. Prayer with legs hears our planet crying and walks the ditches picking up trash. Prayer with legs plants trees to regrow community tree canopies. Prayer with patience sits with young students who are still learning online and need guidance and the physical presence of a human being to help them navigate through the school day. <clears throat> For Lutherans, prayer with legs often takes the form of lasagna or tuna and noodles dropped off on the porch of a lonely neighbor. And this counts as showing up too. Prayer accompanied by casseroles always counts. This is what it looks like to show up, to pray with legs and arms and feet and breath and fingers and hands and even a 9 by 13 pan and a cream of mushroom soup. We each embody prayer as we are given different gifts. This is what it looks like to show up, to pray with legs. Jesus showed up. Jesus embodied prayer. He is the ultimate example of prayer with legs. In fact, quite literally, Jesus is God's prayer wrapped in flesh. God did not send thoughts and prayers from a distance. God did not say, I wish you all best from heaven. You are in my thoughts and prayers as you struggle with sin and salvation and redemption. Good luck working that out. If God wanted to do this, there would be no Christmas, no incarnation. Instead of sending thoughts and prayers, God sends a son, God's only son. Jesus is God showing up. There is so much right now for us, for all of us. I guess there always is. Prayers for an end to COVID, prayers for a solution to climate crisis, prayers for affordable housing, minimum wage, women's rights, 
Black writes, just care for the elderly, accessible education. These prayers need feet and arms and hands and voices and legs. We are stirred by the words of First John to look around as we begin to emerge from lockdown to a world altogether different and yet startlingly the same. God has shown us over and over again that God gives strength to the weak and fearful legs and arms and hands and voices, that God gives breath to the breathless and courage to the afraid. God shepherds us through these in all of our days as we, like children, learn to use our entire selves in new ways to participate in God's justice and grace. Jesus gives sight to the blind and speech to the deaf and mobility to the lame for a reason. We are to use the human body to animate the grace of God. We are each embodied prayer. May our legs and our hands and ears and eyes be ever vigilant. In this way, we become little Christs to one another, as Luther described, showing up for one another in politics and on porches, and drawing all people to Christ who showed up for the entire world. Amen.